0: If you are ready to take the hard road, the road less travelled, the path in life where the journey is more important than the destination, then you are in the right place. Prepare to live with vigour. This is the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, to the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast, today I have Stephen Holly, the founder of StickSight, which for those of you who don't know, it's a badass camo country for serious or camo company for serious hunters. Now, do you prefer Steven or Steve?
1: You know what? I've, I've gone by both. Most people call me Steven. I've got a dad who's Steve. I've got a son who's the third, so Steven's fine.
0: Steven, alright then, we'll go with it. Now, how did you first become interested in starting your own camo company?
1: Um, that's a long story, but I I'll I will be brief. Um, I spent about six and a half years in the Navy, uh, in the SEAL teams, and the dirty little secret there is most guys know their way around a sewing machine, and so you're always tinkering with gear and apparel and you know whether it's uh you know based on a a lot of you know dozens of different factors whether it's your dexterity the kind of weapon that you're carrying the particular mission your job within a platoon everyone had their own spin on how their gear was configured and so in order to do that effectively you know you you learned how to, at least for me, I learned how to sew and made that process a lot easier. And uh, when I got out of the Navy, I started doing that with my hunting clothing in primarily around functionality that I needed and wanted in a way to make, you know, movement more tactical. Mm-hmm. And so I started, I, I started playing around with the, with the uh, sewing machine and um, one thing led to another and you know, I got out of the Navy in 2008. I was doing that with gear and clothing. in in 2013, mid-13, literally had this aha moment in the middle of the night, you know. And uh, I, I literally saw the company. And, and when I reflected on what I'd been doing, whether it was functionality, whether it was a specific textile or technology, there were gaps in the market that I perceived uh, and so started to design a line around it and um, one thing led to another I started spending money and uh, it took me it took me three and a half almost four years to launch it because I was pretty stubborn I'm I can be stubborn in some ways as my wife will tell you but I I wanted to manufacture domestically and that is very hard to do. In general, but when you when you get into uh, you know these performance fabrics and the capability and proficiency that you need to have from a manufacturing perspective, the list gets even shorter. And so, took me a long time, but we landed in a factory here that uh, handles a lot of Nike, a lot of Patagonia, uh, a lot of stuff for the military. Phenomenal group, um, among some other manufacturing partners that we have that have have done very very well. So. That's a long answer to a short question. How did you, how did you start this? This was not something that I have dreamed about since I was a kid. It, this was just something that evolved, and it, again, I had an aha moment one night.
0: Now, what, what was that like when you had to tell your wife, like, "Hey, I think I want to start a camo company."
1: You know, I'm all, so I was I was in the corporate world for eight or nine years uh, working in commercial real estate here in Dallas, and I have five kids. And uh, so I was always, you know, I'm a, I, I guess you could say I'm always thinking about, you know, different ideas. And so over the years, I would, you know, I love the commercial real estate business, but I always knew at some point one day I wanted to start my own company. Um, so I was always noodling on ideas, and so this was probably the third or fourth time I had come to her, and I, and I said this, and she kind of looked at me like, you, you must be crazy. And uh, we had just had our twins, so number four and five, and, you know, we're up to our eyeballs and kids, and, you know, I, I, all the reasons why you don't take that kind of risk was there. <laughs> And bless her heart, my my wife, who uh, like most of us, is a lot um, a lot more trusting and patient than i than I thought she would be. and And over a series of months and talking through it, I figured out a way to uh, negate a little bit of the risk as far as some of the folks that I got in fall from a, a manufacturing consulting perspective that had a lot of experience. and uh, but, At the end of the day, she came to me one day and she said, if you don't go do this, you're going to think about it for the rest of your life. And and what I always tell people is I'd rather try and fail than not do it at all. And I always used to, that used to always kind of roll off the tip of my tongue. But after being on my own, you know, for two and a half years, and I can say, for me, the entrepreneurial journey in this category, as competitive as it is, uh, the highest highs, but also lows I didn't know existed. Um, that it, tough. <laughs> so you know, and, and that all comes down to, um, you know, it's easy to talk about jumping off the cliff. But when you jump off the cliff and you tell yourself, I'm going to pack the parachute or I'm going to build the parachute on the way down and see how it works out, it, in the midst of that fall, you, you can, there's some, some moments. I'll just put it like that. So, but anyway, I wouldn't, I do it over again in a heartbeat and the company's doing, uh, is doing well. So we do, uh, and for those of you who, if, if you've never gone to six we, what started and is still primarily in the hunting space. But for me, this this is building an apparel and gear company around my lifestyle, which is hunting, fishing, outdoor in general. So um, a lot of the stuff you will start to see today and as we add will be, you know, lifestyle products that aren't necessarily used in uh, hunting. But, you know, I, if I'm not hunting, I'm thinking about hunting or if I'm not, chasing something with a fly rod in my hand, I'm thinking about chasing something with a fly rod in my hand. So uh, right now we're very seasonally heavy and, you know, with during the fall, but we are, you know, if you check out the website, we're starting to add product that will complement us year round. And um, so anyway, it's still early. we got a long way to go, but um, we're, we're headed in the right direction.
0: That's awesome. I think that's a very cool direction to go with things.
1: Well, you know, for me, you know, once you have the manufacturing in place and the business infrastructure in place, manufacturing a pair of camo pants is no different than manufacturing a, you know, a pair of lifestyle pants, mm-hmm. much much like the ones I'm wearing today. Um, so anyway, being able to do hunting, fishing, and, and even last, you know, I told someone else this recently last Christmas, my family goes up to Colorado every year for uh, Christmas. And I've been going up to Crested Butte for 40 years. And I've never seen as much snow as we had last Christmas up there. And, you know, it was some days it was zero, some days it was 10. But I skied in all my own stuff. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Just to, you know, and so hunting, fishing, uh, the mountain sports, you name it, I want to, I think there's a lot of lot of opportunity there. But we started in hunting because that's how this all, how this idea came to be. So I wanted it's, to be as authentic as is possible there. That's, so
0: that's kind of how we, the show and the websites, morphed into what it is now. Is that we started with just hunting and with uh, my co-host Phil's having to leave the show. It was like, well. I don't want to talk about just hunting anymore, so. There you go. (laughs) And now I I still talk about hunting a lot. (laughs) But Uh, I've actually been to Crested Butte doing a backcountry ski trip, and that is just an amazing place.
1: uh, It is. My grandfather started going up there in the late 60s, and so that's the way we grew up celebrating Christmas, and we still do it every other year. So
0: That's where I learned. The term, have you ever heard the term for snowmobiling called riding Canadian?
1: <laughs> no, so, no,
0: So there's riding Canadian is when one guy stands on the one side, like, uh, foot tread area, and he operates the brake, and the other guy stands on the other side, and he operates the gas. There you go. So you're not both riding uh, two up on the seat. Wow. That gets That gets a little hairy going yeah. up the mountain.
1: Sounds like it.
0: Yeah, good time though. So i been being an entrepreneur. What advice? Now that you've done this and you're into it for two years, would you give anyone else thinking about going out there and starting it themselves?
1: You know, for uh, number one piece of advice, I would.
0: I wouldn't be able to do
1: what I'm doing, uh, what I'm doing right now, if I didn't have eight years of experience, albeit in a completely separate industry, you know, being a commercial real estate broker, but what what that allowed me to do was build a network of people that have been very instrumental in what I'm doing today, whether that's, uh, you know, my capital raise, my board, uh, there's a laundry list of things, but without that network that I built over eight years uh, doing commercial real estate, I wouldn't be here the, the second thing I'll tell you is, you know, I was spending out of my money out of my own pocket for, uh, almost four years and got to a point where I had to raise money. And during that time, um, not having a co-founder or someone there with me, it got very, very lonely. And when you're, you know, when you're, when you start a new business, I don't care what kind of business it is, uh, there's a lot of doubt and uncertainty. But when you start a business in something that is highly competitive with some really capable other, you know, great companies
0: in that space. Oh, you're swimming with the sharks at that point.
1: And, you know, not, not to mention the fact that I had some good consultants that had knew what they were doing, but, you know, all the decisions, the thousands of decisions that you make a day, not having anybody to go, at least go, oh, well, what do you think? And so um, I, I don't discount the uh, just how important it can be for someone who's right there with you that you can at least commiserate with when you're getting your teeth kicked in.
0: <laughs> that always helps. Yeah. So, so, where does the name Sick Sight come from?
1: Six Sight was a uh, was came out of a branding exercise that I did with a company. Golly, what do mean, End of 17, three and a half years ago. So pretty early, on in the process, we were talking. You know, they're helping me with a, a logo and the name. And I'm listening to my kids out there racing with Alan. Um, you know, this whole thing was a was uh, for me building as far as functionality goes, building stuff that was more intuitive, the way you we, I, you would alter and customize in the SEAL team. So that in that word intuition and intuitive kept getting bannered around, and that kind of morphed into Sixth Sense and Intuition. Uh, was- and Sixth Sense just didn't have the phonetic pop that we were looking for, so it just kind of got altered a little bit, and we you
0: know, made I w- up. I was wondering that because I was like Sixth Sight. It, almost, it sounds like that, you know, like something like that. You know, and you know what, I get asked that
1: a whole lot, and a lot of people assume there's a military connotation there. Um, a lot of people assume a lot of different things, which is fine with me. Uh, but that's that's where that name came from.
0: Is there a particular piece of gear you've designed or worked on that you're really proud of?
1: You know, all I would tell you uh, – You don't want to choose your favorite child but i I like everything we do um one thing in particular that took me the longest because of some functionality that is in the garment that uh, at least to my knowledge doesn't exist uh, anywhere else is our waterproof breathable our rain jacket and pant and uh it was just a very long process prototyping it, getting that functionality to a production quality. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy and my wife will tell you that if it works, I'm good. I, I could care less how it looks, but, um, obviously wanting something to look really, really clean and sharp. Uh, it took us a long time on the manufacturing side to get everything exactly the way we wanted it. So, you know, people look at a rain jacket that's, 380 bucks and they go, man, you must be proud of it. And I'm, I'm extremely proud of it. And not only with the rain jacket, uh, but any product we sell, uh, we guarantee for the life of the garment, no questions asked, new or used. I don't care if you buy it and call me in two years and you've ripped it to shreds and have blood all over it. I'll either replace it or I'll refund your money. And that speaks to the quality of our domestic manufacturing partners, which is why I wanted to manufacture domestically.
0: Yeah, that's pretty pretty unheard of for a guarantee like that. Well, and I didn't come out of the gate like that,
1: but uh, over the past couple of years, our return rate, and again, the vast majority of our business uh, is direct online. We do a few of the higher end consumer shows every year. but vast majority of it is online. And, and if you look at the industry, you know, online apparel in general, uh, return rates can be, you know, they're up there, right? Sometimes as high as 30, 35%. And so I was when going through this business plan was anticipating, uh, obviously, when you ask someone to pay, you know, 190 bucks for this vest, and they can't touch it or feel it, that's asking a lot. So trying to break down the trying to break down some of the the barriers to to buying um, we figured out really quickly that our quality was on par with anyone in the industry and that our manufacturing partners uh, were, were phenomenal so our return rate was a fraction of what I thought it would be and and even with the smaller amount of returns we get whether it's you know someone changed their mind or you know we've had a button snap before in the couple thousand pairs of pants that we've uh, shipped in the last year, but you know those are onesies, twosies, and so that's why we we are able to offer that guarantee is is the feedback that we get from a very passionate and loyal customer base. As you well know, being in the demographic, you know when you're researching a pair of pants or jacket, you and you're gonna lay down a couple hundred bucks for it. You're gonna do your due diligence. Let me give this call to, uh, this is a customer service call to Alan. Uh, Six-eyed Stephen. Cool. Steven. Sorry about All that, right. I, should've, I should've, I've got the customer service coming to my mobile phone right now.
0: Don't worry about it, I'm doing podcasts with Snyder. I learned what it's like to wait for a customer service call to go uh, through. <laughs> Today yep. I did an episode with him, and we were 15 minutes in, and I think he just hung up on me. And that was the end of the episode know I haven't heard from him since. I just hope he's alive. He could be dead.
1: <laughs> Very good. Anyway, I, um, that was another long answer to a short question. But, um, again, that's just another – taking down another barrier to the risk of spending a couple hundred bucks on, on our website when, you know, I, again, no questions asked. If you don't like it for any reason at any time, send it back.
0: What do you think the hardest part's been about breaking into the market?
1: Well, you know, I, I could rattle off a half a dozen competitors in this space that have been uh, are very well established, and some of them have been doing it for decades. And so um, that in and of itself makes it very hard to... Uh, Very hard to crack in and and, you know the demographic guys could be very loyal guys and gals right once once they get with a company and uh, It's very hard to convince them to try Why, Why are you gonna you know, why? Why switch and so? Educating Potential customers and customers about our quality and again, I always say whether it's functionality whether it's a specific technology or textile I'm not about just making another vest and slapping a six-site label on it and selling it just because I need to have an insulated vest. Uh, This vest is a great example. We're using a a Primaloft product that I haven't found anyone else in the market using. And that is not only in the hunting space, but that's outdoor in general. And that's because they're very, very top-level insulation and it's expensive. Um, but it's super light and it, it's, it's just phenomenal. People, people are always shocked when they pick this vest up, you know, at a show or in the store and I tell them there's, you know, a hundred, some vests have a hundred hundred to 120 grams of insulation in these vests. And you would never know it when you pick it up, look at it, feel it, try it on. But when you do try it on, it's, it's a, it's the warmest vest on the market, I'll I'll put it to you that way
0: that's pretty damn strong then so I again
1: I I'm not about making a product and pushing it out there just because you know all my competitors have base layers and insulated and a soft shell I'm about pushing out a product that I think it is an improvement upon what's what's out there in the market or or again this is a great example doing a backcountry bow hunt every year for for you know Eight years when I get out of the Navy, uh, I didn't want it to take, you know, and, and in September in the backcountry, you could get 80 degrees, or you could get 20 degrees in rain. And I, I always was looking for a vest that was a little bit, I didn't want to take a vest and an insulated jacket. And so I couldn't find a level of insulation, you know, greater than, <clears throat> if you look at most vests with, with a Primaloft product, they're 60 to 80 grams of insulation and I just wanted a little bit more for when it got 20 degrees and was spitting snow and rain, um, and I couldn't find it. And so that was the thought process behind, okay, I'm going to make my vest at 120 grams, and it's the only piece of insulation I'm taking.
0: Focus and, a little more on the core only, <coughs> Size your load. You bet. So, you know, um, <coughs> excuse me, that's some of the
1: thought process around some of the products and why.
0: That's good. Cause, you know, one of the nice things about having new companies come into the different spaces is people are going to take a different look. You're going to be presented with different options and some are going to be, may go right along with everything you've been thinking and some may not, but a lot of times it's going to push everyone to get better at what they're doing.
1: You know what? That's the nature of, that's the great thing about business in general, right? You can't Uh, the minute you start thinking you can rest on your laurels, that's, that's when, uh, I I always get nervous when things are going real well. Um, you know, my wife will tell you when, when, especially in the fall, in, in the midst of the season, when we're humming along and business is good and I'm, I'm always in the back of my mind, obviously thinking about next year and in subsequent years, but I'm always thinking, man, what, what can jump up and bite me in the ass right now? And, uh, so to answer your question, yeah, that's, that's the beautiful thing about, uh, any business in particular, but, but this one, it's you, you better, you better. I'm always trying to push the envelope. And part of the challenge with that is manufacturing. Anything is not easy, but apparel, not easy at all. And so, um, There's that fine line for me, pushing that envelope, yet being able to manufacture it in in an efficient way.
0: And do you have any particular, like, your two big influences in your life? Uh, Uh...
1: in what category, just life in general or
0: life in general, like who would be the two people you would say you kind of have looked up to?
1: Well, you know, I'm lucky enough to be one of the guys who had a father that uh, both, both mom and dad, but you know, uh, I uh, definitely seek his advice um, on an awful lot of stuff. And he's been, someone who's who's been right there next to me uh and i don't think he he, not initially but when it got real uh when it got lonely he he saddled up next to me and he's been there ever since and so you know going back to being a being a you know a little kid i always looked up to my dad my dad's the one that introduced me to the outdoors and hunting fishing and um So that has been a very large influence in my life. And, um, you know, I, I, there's, there's, there's several other, there's one other gentleman in particular that whether it's, we've got some, we've got some similarities as it relates to, uh, haven't had to deal with some, with some pain, if you will, uh, and so he's quite a bit old, not quite a bit, he's a little bit older than I am. He's in a completely different stage of life than I am. Uh, his, all his kids are grown and, uh, out of the house, but we connected as it relates to dealing with pain. And subsequently he has been, uh, a, a, a big mentor for me in business spiritually on a number of different levels. So there's a there's a couple of different people. And then last, but certainly not least, is I wouldn't be sitting here today if it weren't for uh, a very loving, patient bride.
0: That's very important.
1: <laughs> um, I know, you know that
0: from experience.
1: Yeah, you know, most, I would say, not every woman, and when we kind of were navigating the decision to take this risk, she finally looked at me one day and she said, if, you know, well." Our kids were in private school you know we had the nice house the cars and uh you know all, all the checklist but she looked at me and goes you know what if you got to go if you got to go sack groceries and we got to sell all this so be it right because at the end of the day and that's you know at the end of the day if, if, if this you, fails so what i got five beautiful kids and i got a great marriage
0: i think you find a lot of times too some people have a analysis paralysis where they've just got bingo too they can't make the choice because they have to make it too many choices you know the choice is too scary to make so they can't make it
1: you know the interesting thing I, uh, as, I as I said before I love the commercial real estate business I was working for Roger Starbucks company here in Dallas and phenomenal man phenomenal company phenomenal organization and the individuals there are still some of my closest friends um, one of the challenges being a commercial real estate broker for me was working you know I had a number of smaller clients I also had some big some very large corporate business you know fortune 500 business and when you're when you're I you know we I, I help these companies with their office leases and so Sometimes that process would take, you know could take 2 or 3 years while you evaluate these very large office buildings and to your point we would get we would get to the point of a decision and get all the information to the client with which to make the decision and a lot of times it and I understand that's the nature of the beast when you get to some of these big companies but my observation was there's so many people there was a, a a lot of people in that situation that Again, coming from a guy with a background in the SEAL teams where decisions were made on a very quick tempo, and if there was a bad decision, no big deal, well, let's course correct. But they would analyze everything to death, and because they reported to the next guy, and this guy reported to this guy, no one wanted to put their sack on the table and make a decision.
0: I I work in uh, residential real estate, and I see it happen. On a much even smaller scale, and it's a shame sometimes because you want to take people and be like, "Listen, this—you can make this work. Yeah, you can, you can do this. You know, you want to be that motivational speaker, but some people—they'll just—it doesn't work that way. Uh,
1: you know what? And, and you know, I, I like I said, I love the business. I, I had some phenomenal clients, but uh, I knew that was one of the reasons why I got a I'd like to create my own company and it try to build a culture where if you make a mistake, so be it. Let's learn from it and move on. But let's not let the paralysis dictate what we do.
0: Yeah, I mean you you could see it with people buying camo. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well I hope not. I hope they, they just They gotta go-
0: ask a million people though. I see that. You know, guy well, on the forum who wants a hundred responses, so he can analyze each response and then talk to everyone about the you,
1: you, you know what's interesting about that, and we kind of rotate the customer service duties as far as who answers emails and phone calls. and I'm always shocked at the number of people that'll write in and say, they'll give you a, you know, hey, I'm from not to call anyone out here, but I'm from southern Indiana. Should I get? your gray version of camo or the brown version and that's like uh, you know that's the most open-ended uh question in the world i'm i always want to respond i need a little bit more information from you but
0: i i got you brown yeah (laughs) that's uh always (laughs) that's
1: uh sometimes what happens But, but you know what i i generally i will try to get you know Are you uh, hunting out of a tree stand? What kind of hunting do you do? I'll try to get a little bit more, but, you know, some days when time is short, go with the brown.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Always. Right. Earth tones. You can't go wrong with an earth tone.
1: Nope. Can't go wrong with either.
0: So, do you have a most memorable hunt?
1: Uh a most memorable hunt man i've had it would be tough i don't maybe there's there's i guess the first time i ever killed a deer by myself that was you know it's probably not my most memorable today now having more experience but that was a very memorable hunt just At at nine years old, my dad trusting me enough to put me in a deer blind, uh, and he he threatened me. He said, if you get out of this blind for any reason, I will kill you. And so I I wasn't going to get out, but I I was under very clear instruction that I couldn't go anywhere. But I ended up falling asleep in the stand. It was one afternoon, and uh, when I woke up and kind of looked out over the edge of the blind, there was was deer everywhere. And... uh, that, for me, that I can still feel that feeling of euphoria of like, oh my gosh! All I, I had just, to do with sleep. All I, but I, you know, as a nine-year-old kid, you know, with a lever-action 3030, 30 thinking I just I did it on my own, and that was a big, that was a very mem- memorable, memorable hunt. The next one would be my wife, who had she shot a couple of deer with a rifle while we were dating. But after we got married, we were pregnant with our first and she wanted to see if she wanted to bow hunt. And so we practiced like crazy. We came home from San Diego for Thanksgiving and I put her in a ground blind, me and her together. And this doe walked out at 20 yards and she zipped it right through the heart and the deer ran two steps and fell over dead. And she was eight months pregnant. And I thought, I don't think it'll ever get any better than this, right?
0: That's, that's tough to beat. Bo tough is, to be oh, by far one of the most satisfying. You weapons bet. on the planet, I would go then, Bo, fly line shotgun. That would be my three.
1: I'm right there with you. I'm right there. The last hunt I'll tell you about briefly is the first time I ever took a camera crew out to film content for the company. It was in an area, public land, New Mexico that I'd never hunted before that, um, you know, I, I, I'd never killed a bull before. Well, I take that back. I had, but I, um, anyway, I, A, not knowing the area, B, camera crew, a bunch of dudes walking around in the woods and C, um, bow hunting. And I only had two days to do it. They were only going to be there for two days, and the second afternoon, you we couldn't have scripted a hunt any better. We called in a bull from about 800 yards and got it all. I mean, you, we couldn't have done any better. Called him into 20 yards and, and sent killed. Him. Yeah, and it, uh, I'll never forget releasing that arrow, knowing I made a good shot, and thinking, okay, we didn't just get this lucky, and it all it all kind of came together.
0: Oh, that's got a knot up in your chest too moments leading up just like Ooh. oh yeah
1: yeah
0: you know it's so, it's it's, it's kind of cool because you obviously having been a seal former seal i think is the proper wording. there you go
1: That's
0: and right. you know being a hunter it's like you know you could be anywhere but you go out hunting and your blood gets pumping how care who you are where you been <laughs> I don't you don't know, care I... on the size of the deer <laughs>
1: you're exactly right and in the moment that stops happening is probably the moment i'll stop hunting
0: taking uh, up golf be making golf gear <laughs> yeah. there you go or if i be dead before that happens but...
1: we'll see we'll see
0: i uh you know i had a very similar first deer kill i was actually in the stand with a friend and uh, he doesn't hunt but he wanted to come along i fell asleep he wakes me up. Hey, there's a buck out there.
1: There you go. That's
0: perfect. perfect. I, I, I think Hot sleeping hat. is overrated <laughs> or underrated when it comes to hunting.
1: Well, Mike, Mike, my, my oldest two kids will tell you that they usually fall asleep, you know, if we're sitting in a stand. and It's, you know, whenever they wake up, get woken up by dad. There the deer are. So that's I, that's their experience too.
0: They know how to do it. Yeah. It's one of the most peaceful sleeps you'll ever have. <laughs>
1: no doubt. No doubt.
0: If, you know, you were you were to say pitch to a group of people of Y6 site over any other company, what would it be?
1: Um, I would tell you, well, the, the easy answer there is there's zero risk in trying, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to, we do free shipping, free returns. And like I said, anything you buy, whether you buy it tomorrow or you buy it uh, or you buy it two years from now, or you buy it tomorrow and two years from now, you call me and go, you know what? This isn't the quality that you said it was going to be. Like I said, no questions asked, we'll give you your money back or we will replace it. And so, um, I don't know of anyone else that does that. But I'm willing to do it because, again, with with this company, my my name's on the line. With this company, uh, and especially amongst a uh, a group of men who, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna market former seal, you can you can bet that I've got a a former community that doesn't take that lightly, and um, if I'm going to put my name and former seal behind something, it's it's going to be of the best quality you can buy. So again, I'm the hardest guy on gear in the world. And if I'm if I'm wearing it, it's because I've I've I put it through the paces and it held up. So that's another long answer to a short question, but and and again, I understand that there's a lot of people, there's a lot of choices out there and there's a lot of other great companies out there. Uh, we're one of many, but um, I, I I just tell people, give it a shot, and uh, I would
0: like to prove you wrong. Pretty dang good. Now, uh, would you have any books you'd recommend to anyone?
1: Books. Yes. Uh, you know what? There's a book and I don't, this popped into my head. I've been thinking about this book lately. I read it several years ago, but there's a book called, uh, have you heard of the book called Fearless? I've heard of it. I haven't read it though. Fearless is about a seal whose name was Adam Brown. And Adam Brown, to give you a little bit of backstory, this is all in the book, but he was from Hot Springs, Arkansas. You know, uh, so was his wife. They married, he... Uh, he was a very accomplished athlete, uh, had a little bit of a, you know, checkered past, kind of got on the wrong side of the law or started running with the wrong group. Got his life straight, got in the Navy, um, went through buds, uh, Adam ended up getting, had an accident where he got shot, I believe with the SIM round, put out an eye. He taught himself how to shoot with his other eye and his other, you know, then he had an accident. I think where a Humvee rolled over and crushed his hand. He had to teach, you know, reteach himself how to shoot with his left hand versus right hand his non dominant eye versus dominant eye. It, that's just the tip of the iceberg on, on some challenges that Adam, uh, some insurmountable challenges that he overcame both professionally and personally. And, uh, you know, Adam was killed uh, in the line of duty in Afghanistan, but you know, whenever you read that book and you think, okay, uh, you know, whatever you got in front of you that day, business-wise, work-wise, professionally, personally, uh, it, it 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 pales in comparison to some of the things that that you will read about in that book, and that's why I always. I always, you know, reflect on it. So that that's the first one that came to my mind. And then the other one that I'm I'm actually reading it now, and I'm fascinated with it. And my wife will tell you that because she hates, she's done with me talking about this book. But it's called Eating on the Wild Side, <laughs> and it's fascinating for me because it they it takes you through. I'm just still in the vegetables, but you you learn about. It, Every vegetable you want, what's good about it, what's bad about it, how to pick it in the store, how to store it when you get home, you know, all the cancer fighting, health, yada, 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 about each different vegetable. And it really, for me, there's a lot of, I think, myths out there that get debunked in this book. Um, So anyway, and part of that is turning 40 this year, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to eat a little bit better. So
0: get as many uh, years as you can.
1: I've i I've, I've gone off the the down into the wormhole on this book and um it's been fascinating for me. So
0: That's awesome. I'm gonna have to check those out.
1: Yeah. Um, both of those I know well, fearless for sure, but if you're into food and health and eating, which most people are into eating, uh, you'll like it.
0: I'm very into eating.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> well, Stephen, it has been a pleasure having you on. People should head over to SixSiteGear.com. Check it out. Like you say, it's worth worth a shot. Free shipping, lifetime guarantee, made in the U.S. I, I don't know how you beat that.
1: You know what? I, I always tell people, give us a shot. There's no risk. And uh, like I said, any reason at all we'll give you your money back.
0: And if you have complaints, you might you know, it's one of those days you might just get a hold of him.
1: You're exactly right and you might get the answer brown, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Don't forget <laughs> always choose brown and for the adventurous gentleman podcast, live your life with vigor.